Welcome to the South Burbs Hitmen Podcast with your hosts, Joe Mandel, Stephen Zim Zimmerman, and Vinny Parisi. We're bringing you the White Sox coverage you need from the perspective of true Southsiders. Grab your Comiskey dog with an ice cold beer and meet us in section 155. Everyone get on your feet for your South Burbs Hitmen! That ball hit deep. Way back. You can put it on the board. Yes. Jimenez in the air. Left field. He's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. Over the head of Jenks. Uribe charges throws. Out. And the White Sox have won the World Series. Alexei. Yes. Yes! 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 History! A perfect game by Mark Burley, and what an unbelievable, unbelievable play by Dwayne Wise. First pitch starts now. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of South Burbs Hitman. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mandel, and I'm joined by my White Sox brothers in arms. I'm talking about Vinny Parisi and Steven Zim Zimmerman. Gentlemen, how you feeling after this lackluster week of White Sox baseball? Stupid, dumb, horrible. <laughs> uh, every negative possible emotion you can feel, because like, I am an optimistic person by nature. I know it might not seem like it on Twitter.com sometimes because I was so frustrated last summer. Every single day, it seemed like even when they won, I felt nitpicky. And like I always say, my hockey following thinks I'm the most optimistic person of all time. And my baseball following thinks I'm the most negative person of all time. But really, I just try to call it like I see it. I legitimately came into the season thinking – they were going to be this like decent team b- bounce back year. I don't know about the Yankees or the uh, Astros happens. or anything like that. It could, it could. You look at the rest of the schedule for April though, and you're like, this team could be twenty and thirty, and you know nobody would bat an eye. But um, it's like, it's one of those things. I feel hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok, whatever, whatever Stephen A. said. Um, it's been tough. Like I'm been dead ass wrong since that first series in Houston. I hear you, man. Zim, uh, I know you haven't had a chance to watch as many games. You're a busy man, but you can pick up the overall sense of things. On a scale of 1 to 10, where are you on the excitement scale? Uh, I'm, I'm, it's, it's amazing how this team has gotten me to like a 2 so early in the season. Oh, jeez. Like part of the reason that I've been so unable to watch these games is – not necessarily because I'm busy, but it's because they're not worth making time for. So yeah, I'm busy, but like, I don't know if they were worthwhile, I would make the time to go watch them. I would get my crap done and then sit down and watch a Sox game. But like, they're about worth the 10 minutes I dedicate every day to watch the condensed game. And that's about it. You know, meanwhile though, I, you know, I'm watching this guy just skyrocket in value over the last week. This is my Jake Berger one of one card. Oh yeah. And uh man, that guy is on a freaking tear. It's a shame the rest of the team is so far behind him, you know. I I have a feeling we may end up talking about him again later in the show, but it has been fun to watch. Friend of the show, 
For those of you who have not seen the episode earlier this off season, about two months ago, we had Jake and his wife Ashlyn on. Highly recommend you check out that interview on YouTube or anywhere you can find podcasts. But we are kind of in a therapy session today, and we have a special guest to join us today, Vinny, during the show. One of one of our favorite one members of White Sox Twitter and from Lockdown White Sox, Nick Morosky in the house. Going to hang out with us, talk White Sox today. Nick, thanks for being with us, my friend. Absolute pleasure, guys. Thank you uh, so much for having me on. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know what I can provide. Uh, I, I could try to provide <laughs> some input, try to stay positive, but also just kind of be real with where this team is at right now, which after 16 games, exactly the same place record-wise as the 2022 White Sox. And nobody wants to hear it, but when you go back and you take a look at what happened or didn't happen in the offseason, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, it really does. And I'm just curious, Nick, this is just coming off the cuff, but I've been watching this team and trying to find the difference between Pedro Grafal's White Sox and Tony La Russa's. And I don't see that much of a difference. I don't know if the other two guys on the show agree with me, but I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Initially, I was uh, very happy with his consistency with the lineups. I mean, he was put in consistent lineups. Uh, you know, I felt like the first five, six, seven games, you know, of course, Grandal's not going to catch every single game, but right. I wasn't going to Romy and Hanser uh, quickly. Some of those classic Sunday lineups that we saw from TLR, uh, you know, and again, health mattered. We had a, a we had a pretty healthy team early on. Um, I, so I like that consistency. Now, I think, you know, there's a honeymoon phase with Pedro Grafol. I don't know if that's running out. I think it feels like it is. Uh, but his, the <laughs> yeah. way he's operated the bullpen uh, at the beginning, it was like, I don't know if he knew what he had in some of these bullpen arms. And I think slowly uh, he's trying to figure out there's a couple guys that just feel like, you know, they're without homes, you know, without crochet and without Hendricks, like they're trying to go closer by committee. That, that's a very difficult thing to do. I mean, there are certain defined roles in a bullpen where you've got like a seventh or eighth guy, an inning guy that's going to bridge the gap to a closer. Like they know that role. That's a mindset. They know it. Uh, it's a difficult thing to do. So with this bullpen in flux, I, and, and lately, he I don't think he's been managing it very well. He's been putting guys in high leverage situations that should not be in that position. But also, there are guys that just can't flat out perform uh, in the bullpen. So now, here we are, 6-10. and 10. What's the difference between Grafol and, and TLR? I mean, the difference is just Grafol doesn't have the credentials. You know, isn't that the old line? Like, yeah. the difference between Renteria and, and La Russa. So, Grafol sold me though in the offseason. He says the right things. He says it's it's urgency. You know, April is not early. You win in April. They count the same as in September. You know, you can't win a championship in April, but you might lose one. He says all the right things, but I'm sorry, the results just aren't there right now. No, they're not. And, and Vinny, I hadn't had a chance to throw this question by you, but I'm just curious your thoughts on on what's going on here. And I know it feels, it felt different to me at the top, but it feels the same right now. Maybe it's just because of the, the lack of energy, the lack of um, consistency. I don't know. I'm just curious your thoughts. Yeah. Early in the season, when we first started, it felt like the vibes were different. Like, and I, I think I wrote an article about that. Like one of the, the big differences between Tony La Russa and Pedro Grafal early where like, it seemed like players were excited to be playing baseball and it seemed like everybody was having a good time, ready to rock. But, 
it became apparent that the bullpen management wasn't too far off. And the starting lineups were better at first, as Nick mentioned, and then they started to taper off. But then things, they got unhealthy. You know, we're missing Moncada for long stretches of time. We're missing Eloy Jimenez for long periods of time, you know, in a row there. And then you start to lose games. Well, I don't care if Ronald McDonald is your coach. You're not going to have good vibes and be happy to be there if you're losing a bunch of games in a row. They haven't won twice in a row yet this season. And people people keep saying, oh, they haven't won a series yet in a season. They haven't won a series yet this season. I think it's even more disgusting that they haven't won two in a row yet. And that, to me, is like something that just can't – got to string brutal. wings together. Well, and, and, and they're, they're, they're a team that has to win on the margins. You know, they are not mm-hmm. going to out-hit – their pitching issues. So the one of the things that I was telling people, this team's going to be better prepared. They're going to have their fundamentals now. We're finding that isn't the case. You guys, you have guys not covering second base with incoming throws from the outfield. Folks aren't backing up bases, blown pickoff moves. So this team can't afford those little mistakes, right? Because the pitching isn't clicking. The bullpen's a mess, dead last in all of baseball. Uh, and offensively, you know, we're just not being able to hit our way out of the problems. You, you couple that with all the injuries, you've, you've got to play fundamentally sound baseball. It's been eye-opening for sure. And we'll, we'll talk about this again later in the show, but I had to bring it up because it, it fits into what we're talking about. Our buddy, Yasmani Grandal, had a great week. He hit 333, 7 for 21. How many runs did he score this week? One, he had 10 total bases and he scored one time. I think that's pretty eye-opening for how, how bad this team, team was with the bats this week. And they, they're, they're especially bad with runners in scoring position. It's just, it's infuriating. It's like they can get hits when, when no one else is hitting, but not when you got guys on base. Yeah. When you watch baseball around the league, even the bad teams, you're always seeing like their stars produce. This guy's hitting this home run and Luisa rise hits for the cycle. And Rafael Devers on a bad Red Sox team leads the league in home runs. I think right now, like the stars come to play for a lot of these teams with the white Sox. It just so like, like, Oh, whatever. Every now and then Luis Roberts going to look like an MVP candidate, but then he'll go cold for a month. Like, it's just one of those things. Like you're not going to string together wins if you perform like that. So and I would good. say for the, the Robert point, Vinny, it's like let, lay off the sliders. When, when is he going to figure out he can't hit certain pitches? I, I don't know what it is with certain guys on this team. If they don't have the scouting report, which I thought was going to change in the offseason, I thought the coaching staff was going to get these guys better prepared. So there's not as much guessing when an arm gets on the mound. But boy, some of those swings by whether it's Andrews or by Robert, and it just happened recently in this Baltimore series, those are not competitive swings. Uh, absolutely not. And I know he's not going to walk. Robert's not going to walk. But still, like some discipline at the plate, please. Yeah, none of that this week. That's for sure. No, all over the board, the Sox have just been a general disappointment. And it makes you wonder, you know, where it stems from. Because it, they've changed certain faces, but it continues to happen year after year. And you want to know, like, you, you want to be able to point the finger. But... The only guy yeah. you kind of can point the finger at right now is the same guy we pointed the finger at last year. He's just got a different name and number now, uh, and that's Pedro Grifol. So we can talk about it a little more. We've already been talking about it all kinds, but let's go ahead and get into the segment, Pedro's Pen. 
yeah, there were a lot of interesting decisions this week. I know we've kind of alluded to some of them, but I mean, is there anything worse than his bullpen management for the week, guys? I, 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 I lean to say that there's there's a, there's a lot of bad, um, especially at least for me, his handling of Aaron Bummer this week. Clearly, Aaron didn't have it. Especially, what was that yesterday that he gave up all those, a lot of those runs? I think that was yesterday's game. He doesn't seem to like know these guys enough to like know when to yank them. I, is it just me, guys? Am I the only one that feels like he doesn't have a grip on how to manage a bullpen? Anyone feel free. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, Saturday was a rough game for Aaron Bummer, and then he followed it up with Sunday, and Jason Benetti made some comment on Sunday. Uh, boy, rough day for Aaron Bummer. And I think, and I was like, day? Just just yeah. this day? Just this Sunday? No, no, no. It's been happening for a long period of time. Um, Griffol going with Jake Diekman in, in some high-leverage situations. I think it was on Friday in the, uh, the first game of the Baltimore series. Diekman's a mess. You know, Kelly's obviously hurt. Graveman's hot and cold. Middleton was a guy I was really happy with in, in Minnesota. Yeah, good. And I think Gr- Griffol went to him in some tough situations, but Middleton, you know, didn't kind of produce the same way that he produced in that Minnesota series. Lopez seems like a guy that if it's not a safe situation, he's lost his focus and he's all over the place. But yeah, I, I you know, I think Rafal has made some uh, mistakes, but I also do think there are guys that just aren't doing the job. And he's like, I don't know who to turn to. And I don't know which version of you I'm going to get on a game to game series to series basis. True. It's frustrating yeah. because the consistency is not there. And Zim, go ahead. That's exactly what I was going to say is, is it's frustrating because the only thing the Sox have been over the last six years is inconsistent. You know, we go back four managers now and we're talking the same thing every single year. And at a certain point, you got to start looking at who's hiring the managers. And we talked about this a lot last season before the manager start, search started. And when that search started, we all had these concerns of like, look, Ventura couldn't do it. Renteria couldn't do it. La Russa couldn't do it. And he's a Hall of Famer. Now we got this rookie uh, general... Uh, excuse me, this rookie manager handling this team who's brand new with this clubhouse. The only thing he's had of these guys before was scouting reports from when he was on the opposition. So now he's coming into this situation and he's got to figure it out. And the front office did not do an adequate job of loading him up. You know, they did a better job loading up La Russa and Renteria than they have Griffal so far. And it's, it's frustrating because, again, like I said, introing this, you want to point the finger somewhere. And right now it feels like the only place we can point is to the manager that seems to be mishandling this on a day in and day out basis, but he's working with what he's got. And it's, it's just neglectful on the front of the, on the part of the front office to not do more to right the ship with these guys, to look at this situation and basically say, this rookie manager is going to be fine. We plug the holes at right field with a rookie. We plug the hole at second base with a 36-year-old. We don't have a closer. We're missing our best young arm in the bullpen, but he'll be all right. It's how much could he really be accountable for at this point? Yeah. I, I, we did him bitch about La Russa, and now we see the same thing with Grufal. So, I mean, Rick Hahn's seat's got to be flaming hot on fire right now because, first off, they, the lack of moves in the offseason. And secondly, I don't know if you guys saw this, but he spoke to the media, I think it was yesterday or the day before, and he said, oh, it's it's April. It's, it's too early to judge a team on, on on their performance. It's like, 
to hell they are. As Nick said at the top of the show, these games mean the same now that they do in September. You know, I I want to say that Rick Hans, Rick Hans' job should be absolutely in jeopardy. It should have been in jeopardy. My, I guess my big thought is recently is what are the expectations of his boss, Jerry Reinsdorf? If Jerry Reinsdorf <laughs> truly doesn't believe or think or want anything more than a serviceable team that maybe makes him money, well, then Han's doing his job. Okay. Han is taking whatever money that Jerry Reinsdorf gave him and field and putting a team together. All right. Now, if Jerry has larger expectations, then I don't think Han would have been around for this long. I really don't. I think mm. I think Han does Jerry's bidding. He he shuts his mouth. He does what Jerry wants him to do. And, and Han's job is absolutely safe. Now, Grafol is Han's hire, right? So I mean, th- this would be an interesting situation if this completely goes belly up, which again, it's, you know, 16 games in the season, but what, what now, what happens with, with Han? Like this was the guy I let you pick your guy and this is what happened. So I, I throw a lot out there, but it always comes back to Jerry in my mind. It does always come back to Jerry. And, and as, as everyone's seen, there's a sign right off 31st street on the highway. It says, sell the team, Jerry. Um, I think we could, we're all looking forward to that day, although it'll probably be to someone else that's not on our list. But uh, as Travis in the chat says, same results with the Bulls. It's actually strangely accurate. Those Jerry Reinsdorf owned teams. You know, they, and, and I mentioned this before, and I don't know if it was on the show or in private conversation with you guys, but, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf is 87 years old. You really think he's that concerned with winning a championship at this point in time? Or is he just trying to you know, get by until whatever he's looking forward to at this point in time, you know, the golf course, the retirement home, whatever, (laughs) you know, if the guy's worth a lot of freaking money, he can do literally whatever he wants. What does he care if he's, both of these teams have won him championships, both the teams that he owns, he's gotten where he wanted to go. He's seen the promise. Winningest active owner. Winningest active owner. That's impressive. Championship wise. Right. I was going to say, is it? Championship-wise. But, I mean, that's something for him to stand on and hold his hat, hold his head up high, be proud of. And maybe that's enough for him. So, I, mean, there I know this is Pedro's pen, but we've gone quite all the way up well, the ladder. It's, 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 all, it's, all, it's all part of the same, same cloth. But, you know, I think one thing we have to talk about, too, is there were, there were rumblings this offseason that, the White Sox were going to be sold in some capacity. I know it kind of got quieted down, but I feel like something there's got to be there, there's smoke, there's fire. So maybe if things go belly up this season, maybe he finally pulls the trigger, but I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's just the optimist in me, but um, we're going to stay on the unoptimistic side of things. And we're going to dive into uh, a week of hot crap in what we like to call and pick out the worst performance in this week's Adam Dud of the week. You suck. You suck. Suck. Stupid. Ozzy. No excuse. What a dud. What a total, total dud. Yeah, there were a couple duds this week, and I think um, there's just a handful to choose from. I have a bunch of stats pulled for a handful of guys, assuming that we're all going to pick probably from the same cloth here, but I will let our established guest go first. So Nick, curious if you have a performance this week that you thought was just absolutely atrocious. 
Oh, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do this necessarily because I I've heard that this guy is just, you know, he's a great guy uh, personally. And I know that he gets put in a situation that he shouldn't be put in, but he's also a major league baseball player that uh, apparently worked really hard on getting better at this position in the off season. Uh, and I know, again, the front office didn't do him well, didn't do Pedro Grafol well. Grafol has to put them out him out there to get his lefty power bat. But Gavin Sheets in in right field uh, in Myrtle. that Twins game was beyond confusing to me. Why he was even out there in the game to begin with when you had you needed the best defense probably possible behind Lucas Giolito, who's been struggling. You're trying to win a series here in Minnesota. And Oscar Colas looked really good the previous day, I believe, on Tuesday. Okay. He's not showing me like gold glove stuff, but the bar is really low for right fielders for the White Sox. And he looked like he was able to manage target field really well on Tuesday, made a couple nice throws. He's a lefty bat. There was a righty on the mound. So it's not the handedness stuff. Why? Gavin Sheets was in that lineup. So I guess it's it's on Grafol and it's on Gavin Sheets. But come on. I, I mean, that was a routine fly ball there. And uh, I know also, you know, Andrew Vaughn had a, had a bobble at first base. But that was absolutely unacceptable what Sheets did out there. And I, I you know, I, I was just was speechless, you know. And again, people coming at me, well, it's not his fault. He shouldn't be out there. I'm sorry. If you, you can't if you make are, that play, if you're actively working on getting better in the off season and you know where your growing edges are, and that's what you turned in, I, I'm sorry. It has to be called out. And and not to mention when he played first in that one game, he had a, a terrible outing. I think he had two or three errors. And it's he a cut Billy off Buckner that, situation. Yeah, yeah. And he cut and he cut off uh, the throw to home that he would have been out by a mile, and then he cut off the throw. I mean, Gavin Sheets definitely cost us at least one game you could argue possibly two this week so uh, I, I like the pick Nick it's unfortunate uh, of course we've had Gavin on the show on, on Finney's show in front of the program but I think he himself would even admit that he needs to be better needs to be better well, I mean his bat plays we saw it on Sunday we need that power lefty bat again I, I heard he's a, he's an awesome dude you know I'd love to talk with him but I'm sorry that was just I can't have that yeah, no, I'm 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 all for it. Nick, man. you can guest brutal. host when I get him. Okay, I'd love that. I'd appreciate that. That no, yeah, for sure. I'll, that that can be worked out because he, him, and I were DMing right before the season. He was pissed off that I left him out of my starting lineup for opening day, um, mm. and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna prove you wrong." And he ended up not proving me wrong because he wasn't in the lineup on opening day. But neither was Oscar Colas. So, um, ah, you know, that's he, true. he's a good yeah. dude. Uh, did Jay Kuda tweet today? He's the only player. He's one of a handful of players in the league, like five or six guys with a 300 batting average and has more walks than strikeouts. So the bat, as you mentioned, it, it does play, but that was an atrocious play in the outfield. Yeah, rough week for Gavin, especially def- defensively. Um, okay, so here's a bit of a hot question for you. Maybe it's better for guaranteed take later in the show, but Sheets has been pretty bad in the outfield. Would you rather yeah. have him or Eloy out there? considering their bats and their defensive abilities. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think I'd rather have Eloy out there personally. I would go Gavin because Gavin, if he (laughs) won't hurt hurt himself. 
less likely yeah, to that, hurt that's himself. See, that's where I'm going too. Is in that scenario, I think I would say Gavin because I believe Aloy would hurt himself, and we really need that's his true. bat, you know, in that in that DH spot. Um, so, and, and that's that's a weird. That's a serious question that we have to have as White Sox fans, but we shouldn't be having that in 2023. But, you know, here we are. That's wild, isn't it? <laughs> oh, got to love it. But, uh, Sim, I'll toss to you next. Who is your Adam Dud of the week? Um, it's tough. I, I, I got a coin flip. Um, flip a coin. You're doing it for it's, real. It's tails. I got Aaron Bummer as my as my player, my dud of the week. Aaron yeah, Bummer has just, just been bad. I mean, he's he's just an exemplification of the bullpen as a whole this week, with the exception of what maybe one guy. Um, they've all just been so bad, and Bummer has been an absolute bummer. And I know we've used that pun many, many but times. We've used that bu- that that pun so many times, but it's so well-deserved sometimes. And this week is one of them. Two innings pitch, five earns run, three walks, four hits, two strikeouts. It's not quite as busy as uh, Jose Ruiz was uh, out on the mound, but it's it's pretty close. And well, we all saw what happened anything. to Ruiz. Do you do you think it's a you know it's a testament of pretty much zero spring training. I mean, he threw maybe three innings in Cactus League play, and they kept pushing the fact that he's going to be ready for opening day. He's going to be ready. And I know he was throwing, you know, on, you know, backfields and all that kind of stuff and getting work in. But it just – he looks like a guy that just has not had a lot of time to perfect himself after getting hurt and and coming back from that injury. Well, look at the guys who got time during spring training and look at the guys who didn't. And it's pretty clear and evident which ones of them are succeeding and who isn't. Because with this new rule put in place, I almost feel like the White Sox did not take the pitch clock seriously enough when it comes to their pitchers. Right. The batters seem prepared for it. They all seem ready to go. But the pitchers, every single one of them is just gasping up on the mound. None of them seem conditioned. Yeah, when Bummer's pitching, he looks like he's rushing. Like he doesn't yeah. look like he's comfortable up there. These and guys think, look rushed, and they look like I said, the conditioning doesn't seem to be there. And I'm sorry to cut you off, Joe, but I just no. I was going to say, I think that's I think that's on Ethan Katz too. But I mean, this is the third show of the season for us, and it's the third time we've mentioned the pitch clock affecting these pitchers in some way or another. And maybe that's something we could talk about in Pedro's pen because that's a direct correlation of your coaching staff, not having your pitchers ready to go for the season. That's, that's a great yeah, point. And I also man. think uh... Bummer needs everything perfect for him. He like, he's one of those guys who like, it's, it's all about location and you locating the sinker ball, having hitters beat it into the ground. And I think, Part of what's become an issue for Bummer is in his career, he's played on this White Sox team that likes to kick baseballs into the other team's dugout, you know, and that hasn't always played in his favor. And I'm sure he's not the most confident out there when it comes to his stuff because he knows what's behind him. He knows exactly what types of pitches he has to make. And he's, you know, if Bummer was on, who's a stout defense? The Baltimore Orioles. If Bummer was on the Baltimore Orioles, I honestly think he'd be a top 10 reliever, a top 20 reliever. Like, like his confidence would be through the roof. He'd know he'd have guys out there making the plays that he needs him to make when they beat it into the ground. You're not going to have freaking, you know, Romy Gonzalez 
kicking it. And, and, you know, we love Jake, but he's not the greatest defensive third baseman. There was a couple balls he booted last year when Bummer was on the mound. There was one specific one against the Dodgers when he was pitching. I'm like, if Bummer was on a different team, I think things would probably be a little bit different for him, but he's not. This this year, though, with him, uh, like just a few games ago, four straight pitches, and he walked a guy. And, yeah, and he is missing – his command's out there, and when he misses, he misses middle-middle, and it is getting smoked. I mean, and these guys, the opposition, we with five series now into the season, and we are getting uh, just, you know, it's an absolute PhD, a master's class in opposition hitting our mistakes. When we make a mistake, they are all over it, and I haven't seen oh, yeah. that much from the Sox, and bullpen are making mistakes. And bummer, boy. When he misses, like no one's getting fooled on that sweeper or whatever he throws when it's middle middle. That's yeah, it. Those, Ori- that- those Orioles know how to draw a walk. They have a good. Yeah. Eye. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that looked to be their scouting report against the Sox was wait for them to make a mistake because they will. Twenty six walks. Bummer would love to face Robert. Walks. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, but Robert will sometimes hit a mistake, uh, and. I feel like one of those sweepers of I'd like to see that matchup, but maybe they should do that on an off day or something. Just kind of mess around. I like it. Uh, Vinny, what do you got buddy for your uh, Adam Dunn of the uh, week? I'm going to pick Eloy. I think Eloy has the talent. We've seen it time and time again. And I think I've mentioned this once a week. I feel like I think he has the talent to be one of the best hitters in the league and he just does not do it. Uh, and maybe, maybe that's just bad judgment of talent on my part. I know injuries have played a lot to do with it, but he was awesome for the Dominican Republic and the World Baseball Classic. I honestly thought he was going to come in the, here this year and really take this offense by storm. Luis Roberts actually doing more, even though he's a dud of the week candidate for this week. His season total numbers um, look pretty good, um, but he's doing everything I thought Jimenez would do and he doesn't have to worry about playing the field as Zim pointed out. He hasn't played in the outfield yet this season. He's only been a designated hitter. Now, granted, he's only played like seven games, maybe even less than that at this point. But um, I just, I mean, one for 12, 83 batting average, one run batted in six strikeouts, one run scored. That is just not the Eloy. We know, like I was literally sitting there during the intro while we were watching the intro today and that call of Benetti against the Cubs. And I'm like, I would have put every penny I owned in 2019 that the White Sox would win at least one chip. They'd at least appear in one World Series with this group because it the vibes we were that. high. Eloy, Eloy hit 31 home runs by accident in 2019. He had two stints on the IL that year. And he yeah, still hit 20-something games. Yeah, yeah, and he was. If he would have played the whole year, he probably would have jacked forty. And Giolito came in sixth for the Cy Young Award, and you know all this stuff. And I'm like, Eloy, what happened? What happened to this team? It's just, it's so bad. I'm they low peaked. right now. They peaked in 2019. I mean, 2020 was the year. 2020 was really 2020. There, yeah, they were really good in 2020. They 2020 were like is just silver sluggers. So you know, short it was the bubble year, right? Yeah, the but like yeah. that. If the, yeah, but that was like the, they could have done it because it was a short season and they stayed healthy for a sixty-game season. Abreu with his MVP and uh, yeah, I mean, silver they had, sluggers, yeah, gold gloves. Yeah. And then, but then it's the same problem that we've seen from the Sox for however many years. They go up against 
I don't, I don't even want to say that the A's were necessarily better than them that year, but the A's were they weren't competent. No, they weren't. And the Sox just seem to struggle against teams that are at, around as good as them or better. You know, and, and they couldn't hit they couldn't work. hit Liam Hendricks either. So no, so they went out no. and signed him. <clears throat> exactly. Probably the best thing to happen. come out of that season. Absolutely. The only um, positive that came out of that playoff series was Carlos Rodon. He got killed, but his stuff looked like it was there. It was like if this guy can spend the offseason like kind of mastering this stuff that he seems to have back, then I think he could be a pretty good pitcher, and it ended up happening. That was the one good thing that came out of that playoff series. I'm rooting for him this year. I'm happy. I'm hoping Lots when he comes he was back, high. he's healthy. Yeah, 100%. But I got a dud of my own, and this is a guy who I've been raising the flag all offseason. I called him I called him the American League Rookie of the Year. I predicted that, and he had, he's been pretty good. I'm not complaining, but he had a really rough week this week, and Oscar Colas, uh, two for 11, batting, you know, brutal, one RBI, which was the walk-off, ironically, um, the, only, <laughs> the only win against the Orioles. Uh, he didn't score a single run. He struck out four times. Uh, he had some really bad at-bats this week. I'm sure you guys have seen as many of them as I have. I think he had one four-pitch at-bat, three or four-pitch at-bat, where he just had like three horrible swings. Um, I know this is normal for a rookie, you know, kind of going up and down the roller coaster, but uh, Oscar, you get my dud of the week, unfortunately. Um, rooting for you this week to turn it around. Maybe you can do it starting against the Phillies with a doubleheader tomorrow, by the way. This game got rained out today. I didn't mention that. Or not rained out, snowed out, whatever you want to call it, cold it out. <laughs> they probably could have played, Nick. I know you're in Bridgeport, but uh, uh, they, we had like flurries and just some massive just winds. Cold. I mean, I've sat through those types of games. Let's like not kid ourselves. But uh, with the with the forecast on Tuesday, 58 and sunny, I feel like okay, we'll we'll move this. But to your point, Joe, on Col- Colas, you know. I think you're, you're right on. I think he puts a lot of pressure on himself, understandably, at this point. There's a lot mm-hmm. of expectations on him. I don't think I've looked at him, though, you know, in the, in the 16 games and have said, man, he's really out of place. Uh, I, I think, you know, he is struggling, uh, especially with certain breaking pitches in. Like that, yeah. that scouting report is out on him now, and they're going to keep feeding him those types of pitches until he can prove the opposition wrong. Uh, what I heard about him, and I'm sure you guys read about it in the offseason, was like he's a quick study. Like he will tr- he will figure out what he like lacks at and he will try to work to get better. So now let, let's see if he can make those adjustments. It's all about making adjustments. So I'm curious moving forward if he could now adjust to what you know pitchers are doing to him. Yeah. Yeah. We had Phil Selig on the show in the offseason from Cuba Dugout and uh he said he's, you know, one of the most natural raw hitters that he's seen and that he does that quick work adjustment. Um, it's kind of like the opposite of what Luis Robert is because Robert, <laughs> you know, he is hot for a minute and then he falls ice cold. But uh, Cola statistically for his work in the Dominican Republic definitely was one of those guys that was a quick study. So hopefully that's the case. And, you know, for the honorable, honorable mention while we're here, I think we have to talk about Luis Robert's week. Um he was pretty brutal. Statistics don't lie. <laughs> three for 24. Uh, somehow managed to still score three runs. Only one ribby, which was on a home run, uh, and one walk. So Luis did a lot of swinging at pitches in the dirt this week. Um, I know well, what he's working on this week for sure. 
that one home run and RBI came early in the week as well. They came, I think, on Tuesday. So you take that one game out, and all of a sudden this line looks a whole lot worse. And I, it, again, it's just it's just an explanation of what's been happening across this whole team this week. And side note about this, Zim and I were talking before we went on the air. The Sox didn't attempt a single stolen base this week. Right. And they were leading. We talk, Weren't they leading yeah. the league in that? Yeah. They were second place. We talked about it on last week's show because, specifically because, uh, it's something that was a strong suit for them earlier in this season. Um, Adley Rutschman, you know, he, he'll gun down a runner. As well as uh, who did they play in Minnesota? I don't remember their catcher, um, but Minnesota does not. They do not allow a whole lot of stolen bases either. Um, So, I mean, it was probably by design. Um, The fact that they didn't have many base runners uh, didn't help that very much either, considering, you know, the four runs they scored in yesterday's game all came at once. So no, no base runners the rest of the game. You know, things like that keep happening to this team. Yeah, it's, it's pretty frustrating. And, and, you know, we can talk about those good things because there was some good offense and there's a couple of good stories stumming out of the south side this week. So why don't we do that when we dive into this week's Put It on the Board Player of the Week. I think everyone knows who the big name story, feel good story of the week is, but uh, there's a few of them this week on the White Sox, but Nick, I'll, I'll let you take your swing at your first pick here for the player that uh, lit up the scoreboard for you this week. It could be on the pitching, could be defense, could be offense, whatever you want. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna let you guys take uh, the obvious one. Sure, uh, you've, got a, you've got a personal connection, and uh, I, I think you'll <laughs> maybe come more from you. Uh, but I, I mean, maybe a dark horse. I, I was really impressed with Giolito's start in Minnesota. Um, he had a rough go uh, in Pittsburgh, and that's to just put it lightly. And, you know, obviously that he, he's he's been hot and cold, and he turned in. It was just so unfortunate how it ended, too. He deserved so much better from the White Sox offensively and defensively. But he was, man, his stuff was working. He was mixing up eye levels like he should. He was nipping at corners. He wasn't middle-middle with his 93 fastball. He had movement. That, that changeup was fluttering. Uh, I thought that was a great sign moving forward. And, and I expect a lot from him, you know, in uh, I think it's the second game he has on Tuesday against the Phillies. So uh, that, was, that was a real promising thing for me. And I think it's something to build on, a confidence boost for, G- for Giolito. Yeah, and when his when his changeup is working, it's one of the best pitches in baseball to watch. So it, it was encouraging to me too to see that finally doing what it's supposed to do. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully yeah. we get some good stuff tomorrow in that doubleheader against the Phillies. Uh, something's got to give. We got to win a maybe. Well, maybe we'll win our first series tomorrow, boys. How about that? It could all happen. It could all happen on Tuesday. Yep, uh, I'm all first for that. Well, look- first time with two in a row. Yep. Yep. Oh yep, yeah, yep. there you go. Tomorrow could be a good day, two for two for one ticket for that. Uh, if you guys can spend the day at the park, I, I can't, but I know a lot of people out there can. I wish, but uh, all right, that's a great pick, Lucas Giolito. Love love the optimism there. I'm feeling good about him too. Uh, Vinny, who is your put it on the board player of the week? So I was super stoked to have. Why? Well, it's funny. I wrote an article today, three players that need to start playing better for the White Sox to elevate their game as a team, and I included Nick's 
pick Lucas Giolito. Uh, I went with Lance Lynn in addition to Giolito. I think those two need to be outstanding pitchers for this team oh, to yeah. end up being a playoff team. And I included Andrew Benintendi, Benny Buttcheeks, Benny Biceps, whatever podcast you listen to has a different nickname for him. He had a decent week this last week. Six for 20, 300 batting average, three runs scored, two RBIs, one walk. Now, guys, that's not that's not $75 million necessarily, but it's it's better than what it's been. Yes. So I you throw know, in the defense too. Yes, his standing on finally looks like he's up to speed. Yeah. Yeah. So with a new team, underrated how the experience with Pedro Grifal. That's a guy who he's known, played under in Kansas City. So I think Benintendi, it's a huge step forward. I'm a Benintendi fan. I liked the signing. Does it make me want to vomit all over my equipment here that he's the highest paid player in Chicago White Sox history? Of course it does. But I really don't want to hold that against Benintendi. People are going to. There are going to be casuals that do, do that. This is the highest paid player. He's got six home runs. It, he's not a home run hitter. He's supposed to keep the line moving. I hate him batting third. That's a critique of Grafal I have. You know, he He's not been doing that as much lately, but when he does, that's a critique of mine. Um, I don't know. I, I thought his week was good. I enjoyed watching him play. I hope he keeps it up because as the weather gets nicer in Chicago, he might be able to get a little more pop on his back. That and we'll see what ends up happening with his defense. But he plays a good left field. I'm happy to have Benintendi right now. I love the choice, man. I love it. Uh, hopefully we get big things from him moving forward. My pick is, uh, you know, filled with in the offseason, a lot of drama behind this guy. But he's been really solid on the mound. And uh, I got to say, I've been impressed with what I've seen from Mike Clevenger. Um, for a third start in a row, three quality starts. I uh, went six scoreless. Uh, he had the five walks, but he still had five strikeouts, only gave up one hit. So props to Mike Clevenger. He's putting it together out there. Um, I'm just liking what I'm seeing from him on the mound. I don't love the five walks, but if, if he can get around the five walks, and he has been walking guys pretty hit. consistently. Yeah, you get the his, one his hit. His stuff so. has got consistent movement. I mean, yeah. that's the thing that I have uh, noticed with him is – like he just doesn't have a flat start. I mean, he is constantly got movement on his pitches and he nips at those corners. He goes after the corners and he's able to execute. He might have had, he might have touched 96 miles per hour in his most recent start, which is a great sign. Uh, you know, still maybe coming back from that TJ uh, surgery. Yeah, yeah. And for a guy coming back from that, he sure looks phenomenal at this point. So it's funny. I almost wonder if he started watching like some Greg Maddox film or something in, in his comeback, because that's who he reminds me of on the mound this season. You know, he's he's a lot more loud movement yeah. wise. Yeah. yeah. But as far as the way he pitches, it reminds me a lot of Maddox. He's working quickly. He is is getting pretty low pitch counts there he'll have an inning that'll get him up but outside of that inning he's keeping it low um which i've been really impressed with you know it's seeing him at like 50 60 pitches before the fourth inning and then all of a sudden you're in the sixth and he's only at 80 and you're like huh he figured it out at some point in this i game. haven't seen yeah i've never seen him pitch in person I never got to a Guardians game like here, like when they were when he was there and when they were playing the White Sox. I just never never gotten to see him. I think I'm going to go on Wednesday. Uh, I want to see, I want to see what Mike Clevenger looks like on the mound yeah. from 
with my own two eyes rather than just on the TV. His uh, his motion, he he got flagged in the offseason as one of those motions that needed to be um, reconfigured because it was going to be because a walk or is it going to be illegal or something. So he had to kind of reinvent himself. He's a guy you could steal on. I mean, there's no question about that. Like, he's an easy guy to steal on. And I don't know how he could change that with the way he, he's got his motion. But, I mean, his results and, and, what, and what he's been able to give um, – you know, compared to the rest of the starting staff has been impressive. Very impressive. I'm, I'm impressed. And hopefully that continues for the fourth straight start. Uh, fingers crossed there. But Zim, what do you got for your putter on the board player of the week? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, just real quick before I get to that, I, I just do want to say, I want to see how Clevenger continues on through the season. He already looks sweatier than Freddie Garcia out there on the mound and it's April. So I'm, I'm very curious, again, a guy that this pitch clock affects, I'm very curious to see how he holds up in the dog days of summer with that 93% humidity and 95-degree weather, you know? Hey, it's um, it's like getting the sticky stuff back, though, for him. Maybe he'll get more hey, movement maybe. on his pitches. Maybe. <laughs> um, as far as my put-it-on-the-board player, I wanted to take Benintendi. I wanted to take Clevenger. So you guys have kind of left me grasping at straws here. So I guess I got to go with uh, with Jake, Jake the Burger Bomber. He is – lighting it up this season um the three home runs this week as they lead the team um i don't know how many he has on the season at least five uh again leading the team in homers leading the team offensively as a whole he has i believe four of the five hardest hit balls by the white Sox this season uh, his five hardest hit balls so far this season are all at at least 106 miles per hour He's got four homers, by the way. So I got four. I must have missed one somewhere. But, yeah, the the contact he's making, I mean, he is squaring the ball up. His hardest hit ball was a double, and the other four are all of his home runs, um, now that I'm looking at it. But, I mean, exit velocity is a huge thing in today's MLB. And so for him to be squaring it up consistently, hitting the ball hard, hitting the ball far, and carrying a 350 average on top of it, you know, it's only been eight games, but Eloy Jimenez has also only played in eight games, and he has no home runs and a 161 average. So put them side by side, and that's what you got. Berger hits mistakes. I mean, he'll take a hanging curveball and he'll put it out, you know, in the outfield and left field, uh, you know, the blink of the eye. But he's another he's a guy that is a perfect example of making adjustments. I mean, just recently he he had a quote saying, look, the more times I see a right handed pitcher, the more comfortable I'm getting. And, you know, that 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 is where this is a bigger conversation. But again, what do you do? You know, like that's the big question. What do you do with him? How do you keep that bat in the line? Because he's not just a guy that you're going to put out there necessarily when there's a lefty on the mound if he's getting more comfortable with also right-handed pitching. So uh, I was really impressed offensively with, with of course, uh, you know, his Baltimore series for sure. Yeah. Yeah, the Sox seem to have a log jam at this like 26-man, you know. Uh, they can't seem to decide who the last guy on the roster is, and Berger is really forcing their hand. So it's really nice to see. Um, it means that maybe we might see less of some other guys that uh, have been kind of frustrating this season, like Hanser Alberto. 
Um, yeah, I, th oh, that's yeah. a guy <laughs> that honestly, like, I know he's a Grafol guy. They've got a connection from the Kansas City days. And I think Pedro Grafol might have really pushed for Hanser, like in the offseason. Like, bring this guy in. He's a great clubhouse guy. I think he can give us something. And he won spring training. I mean, he had one heck of a spring training. But what do you really owe this guy? And if he's not producing, and we've seen what he can do with a glove recently, I mean, Berger can do that in the, in the, in the, you know, in the field, but Berger can also completely mash the ball. So I, that's, that's where I'm like, I'm wondering if Alberto's days might be numbered, uh, especially now on this IL stint. Ber Berger After, didn't look too bad in the field. I just want to say that. Hey, he talked to us. He was specifically working on his fielding, you know, during the off season. It sounded like he wasn't as concerned about his bat and more about his glove and I, I don't know that it's necessarily looking like it paid off or anything, but it's not looking like he's a slouch out there by any means. Um, I will say Hanser Alberto seems like he's going to be this season's Larry Garcia. And I think we just kind of have to deal with that. The problem with, and, and, and you're, I think you're right. I think, I think honestly, you know, Alberto, I was playing devil's advocate, but I do think Alberto's probably here for the long haul. The problem with that is, uh, you know, Lurie Garcia was put in situations that he should have never been in because of all the injuries. And that's what that puts him under a spotlight. And that magnifies the shortcomings because you're not supposed to be an everyday guy, Lurie Garcia, despite what Tony LaRusso used to say. <laughs> now, with all the injuries we're having again, Hanser Alberto saw way too much playing time that he probably should have had. And that overexposes him for sure. Yeah. The one game he painful. played. He gave up. He allowed the Twins to take that one nothing lead, and yep. then he gets a three-run home run, and people are acting like he's spring training Hanser Alberto again. And I'm like, okay, he hit the one home run. Leary Garcia hitting one home run earned him a three-year deal that he wasn't ever going to even live out. Like that's just not what it how it works all the time. Like I almost would have rather the White Sox lose that game and not have that in the back of Hanser Alberto's pocket. Like like what's the difference between five and eleven and six and ten right now? It's just, I, I don't know. I, and you know, maybe they'll make me eat my words by September, but having a guy like that on so. the roster over, you know, Jake, if Jake gets sent down in a week and they, and they activate Hanser Alberto, that's going to be enough to like turn some non diehards. It's a hard pill to swallow. Like, like guys like yeah. us, Nick, Zim, Joe, you're going to watch no matter what. We're weirdos. But the people who like the people who, you know, invest some time or maybe some money in this team, they're not going to put up with that. I, I, I don't know. There, there are a lot, though. There are a lot that are off already. I'm hearing it. I'm sure you guys are hearing it. Oh, yeah. like meet the new year. Same as the old year. Uh, what what has changed? Nothing has changed. They didn't do enough in the offseason. A lot of I told you so. And. Uh, they're looking at the schedule for the rest of April and into May, and they're like, you know what? Wake me up in July, and if this team is, you know, nipping at the heels of the AL Central leader, maybe I'll invest a little bit more. But I'm definitely not right now. I've seen enough already. Yeah, and if it's Nick, anything, are you living? In... What's that? Go ahead. Am I living? I was just going to say, if it's anything like last year, they'll get hot right around the All-Star break and rope all these people back and <laughs> piss them off all over again. <laughs> Go ahead, Vinny. That's true. I was just going to ask Nick if he's living and dying with every result. Because, like, for I, me right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my problem. So you, you get, I, like, I, mad when they lose? Yeah. Okay. 
Oh, I absolutely. And I kind of have that is softened just a little bit because with locked on, I'm doing a daily podcast no matter what, whether I like the result or I don't like the result, I am still going to bring a passionate take day in and day out. So, you know, I, but I still get crushed and I, I, I sometimes get crushed, you know, at bat at a time, inning at a time. I've always been like that. I've tried to stop. I've tried to say, well, I'm going to passively be a fan years ago. And I can't, I absolutely can't. And I tell people, look, you got to fan however you want to fan. No one should force you to fan a certain way or, or, you know, get you excited Amen. about April or, or, you know, talk you off the ledge in April that, that no, 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 you do it how you want to do it. Okay. But you know, I, I just can't help it. Like, this is how I am and I'm going to bring it that way. And, but uh, I know that's not for everybody. And I have to under, absolutely understand that. I hear you, we man. totally get that. <clears throat> we make, we make the put on your socks video every single day, no matter. The only time we might not is if like there's a day game a day and the night before like something happened where we got busier. But like for the most part, we will do put on your socks every single day this year. And I'm finding myself like this team's just not that good. So, like, what am I going to sit here and get super pissed, you know, 90 times this season if they end up being a 90 oh loss team? Like, you know how you know that this rebuild is probably they have all this talent, but they can't stay healthy. It's becoming more of a pattern than a, an accident. Like, it's it's just becoming very numbing when they lose. But like every time they win, I'm also like, but, you know, yeah. that game against Minnesota well, really reeled me back in. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, towards the end of last year, it was me kind of, I feel like I'm just bringing you the information, folks. Like, this is what happened. Like, towards the end of September, it's like, here's the facts, just the facts. Like, don't kill the messenger. Th this is where we're at right now. And I can kind of give you my spin a little bit. But at that point, it's like, what does it matter? I mean, we're, we're, we're done now. Uh, this, uh, they got swept by, what was it, the Guardians in late September. And that that showed me everything and then they lost it. Yeah. It's uh it's a tough pill to swallow. Just, well, yeah, it's just, <clears throat> sometimes I'm a loss for words with this team and put on your socks. Sometimes it's really easy to happen, but real quick, before we move out of the segment, I wanted to highlight two other performances on the week. Uh, Grandal did well. We talked about it already. He had three thirty three, but had nothing to show for it <laughs> except for two ribbies and one run scored. And uh, I wanted to give an honorable mention out of the bullpen, a guy that did incredible this week that's not getting much coverage. I want to talk about Gregory Santos. Had a great week, two to third, zero earned runs, two strikeouts, only one walk. The bullpen was bad this week, but Gregory Santos was not. And I just figured it was worth highlighting because the, the pen wasn't good this week, and he was. So uh, I don't know. I was impressed with him from what I saw. <laughs> He's got some stuff. I mean, I think he can hit a hundred miles per hour. He was impressive in spring training. I'm, I'm actually was really surprised that he made the club because I kept hearing about Avila and like a rule five pick. And this is going to be the guy because they took, you know, a risk on him, but I like that they went with Santos because you get, you got a power arm. So uh, hopefully he keeps that up. I certainly hope so. <laughs> Something's got to get with this bullpen, man, until we get Crochet and Hendricks back. And, you know, Crochet is probably a little closer. Well, who knows? It's Hendricks might come back before we all know it, and he'll be tearing a wall down and just being his normal self, which is an amazing story in itself. But let's dive into the week upcoming ahead with uh, this tough schedule starting to get in place and this week's White Sox Weekly. 
Yeah, the schedule doesn't get much easier for the White Sox from here, guys. Uh, we get three against the Phillies, who are starting to wake up from their slumber at the start of the year. Um, not ready yet, but Bryce, Hyper, Bryce Harper's on his way back. I don't know if you guys saw this, but apparently he's going to be taking learning first base uh, to get more at-bats and less likely to injure himself. I feel like we should probably have uh, – Eloy Jimenez do the same thing, but that's a whole other conversation for another time. But um, <laughs> White Sox, I mean, Philadelphia is a, t- is a good team. No matter what happened the first week and a half of the season, they're a much better team than they've played. And then they get the best team in baseball right now in the Tampa Bay Rays in Tampa at home. Then we get to play them back here a little bit later in the month. But it's a brutal schedule, guys. Um, the Phillies will be an exciting matchup tomorrow. Vin, is there anything you're looking for in this Phillies series uh, from, to get out, get, to get a rise out of the White Sox? I know we get Dylan Cease on the bump. Um, I in this Phillies series am worried. The White Sox give up a lot of home runs to a lot of teams, and the Phillies have guys that can just absolutely hit it to Pluto. Trey Turner finally got his first. Um, Kyle, I'm I'm expecting a huge series from Kyle Schwarber. Like, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if he hits three home runs in three games. Like, he's been a masher already. So, and I sound like such a pessimist. I, I what an a hole I've become. Honestly, <laughs> who even am I? But like, Cast Castiano's healthy. I know Harper's learning to play first and whatnot. But like, you know, you got Lynn and Giolito tomorrow projected. And then Clevenger on Wednesday. I hope those guys keep the home run ball down. But what happens when they go to, you know, the bullpen? What happens if Kyle Schwarber's facing off against Jake Diekman late in the game and the game's tied or they're up one or something? Like, it, it's just uh, the National League champions are in town. I, I hope I'm wrong. I just, this schedule, man, and this Phillies team, I've never seen the Phillies live. So that's another reason I'm excited to go Wednesday. That's one of the only teams in the league I've yet to lay my eyes on. And I'm excited to do so. Obviously, they're a National League team, so I would have to go see them at Wrigley if you know I really wanted to see them most years. But um, it should be fun from that aspect. But they got some they got some bombers in that lineup. And you look at the pitching. Uh, Falter the stats aren't that good, but Wheeler we know what he can do. He was really really good last year and the year before. Taiwan Walker a medium start for him. They're all in the forest for ERA as I'm seeing, but some hefty strikeout numbers from Walker and Wheeler. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting series to watch, but I I am uh, I'm not optimistic about it. Yeah, definitely not looking forward to it myself either, but you know this team maybe they'll surprise us, you know, <laughs> and then we have to go play Tampa Bay in Tampa. Um, just, it's a rough overall week for this, the boys. I know we don't have to dwell too much on the upcoming schedule. Cause I know we're all not feeling overly optimistic about it, but uh, we could just mosey on into the, the fun part, which is uh, our pick to click. So, you know, we can pick, we're going to make our picks. We'll get Nick's here in a second and then we'll let him go shortly afterward, but let's dive into this, this week's pick. to click. So we're tracking this now every week. We put out a poll on the following Sunday afternoon into 
until showtime the next day and we let twitter decide so i finally won this week i had grandal last week and uh, i was up between grandal uh vaughn and then ben attendee and the, the poll was really close but i managed to edge it out but we're, we're gonna let our guest go first and nick so you get you get your pick of the crop from anyone on the team nick who's your pick to click heading into this week of white Sox baseball Okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this guy because I I called the 2023 season was going to be the year of the Vaughn, and I'm liking what I'm seeing from Andrew Vaughn. The obviously the home runs aren't there, but he's getting on base. I feel like he's having quality at bats. Uh, when he doesn't get something that he can absolutely drive, he has a very Pauly Canerco esque at bat where he just takes it to just dumps it to right field. You know, he's learning and becoming a better hitter. I think Andrew Vaughn is going to break out, and I think we're going to see some home runs from him this week. I love it, man. I I, I would love Nick some home runs this week. Andrew Vaughn. I love him. I absolutely <laughs> love him. I could I could see the eyeballs yes. getting posted this week when he yes. hits his first home oh, run of the season. Yes. It please, is happening. Please, please, oh, let me do that. Let's go. I can't <laughs> wait. I'll. I'll be retweeting, quoting. You know, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I'm all in on it, baby. I mean, I I got I was very excited. I did the White Sox charities like gift bag thing last year, and I got an Andrew Vaughn signed ball in there. I was pretty excited oh, nice. about that. So, uh, I'm I'm rooting for Vaughn. Now I have in a bunch of leagues in fantasy too. I know. I feel the energy in my veins. Hell. I love it. Uh, They're winning the World I'm... Series. Screw it. One in a row. <laughs> Andrew Vaughn. It's gonna hit 500 this week with seven bombs. L- love, love it. it. Yeah. Um, and if that happens, that'll be even better. <laughs> but uh, I, since I won last week, I'll take my pick. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Two and record for sure. Uh, I'm just going to ride the hot hand and I feel like it'll continue into this week. I, I'm, I'm going to take Jake Berger, friend of the show and uh, all around good guy with a spoken hot bat right now. So I, I can, I think Berger keeps cooking this week. A couple more dingers, hopefully more than a couple, but we'll see what happens. So I'm going to take Berger selfishly for myself this week uh zim and vin tied in the poll i i don't know how that's even possible i i had 36 percent of the vote with grandal and they each had 32 percent of the vote with ben attendee and vaughn so i'll just toss uh zim a bone and let him go next oh well i guess i'll take it i was hoping that Vinny would go first so i could just take the field you know <laughs> but i guess i'll Whatever. uh I guess I'll make a decision here. Um, I, I, I'm tempted to take Benintendi again, just because he's been um, rising steadily over the last few weeks. And I feel like at a certain point, he's going to finally hit that peak. Um, and frankly, if, if this is it, if this is the peak, this 300 average, three runs, two RBIs over the course of a week, um, the Sox are in some trouble. So maybe it's just me projecting my hope onto him saying, Benintendi, please carry the team for us. But somebody's got to do it at some point. Uh, and like I said, with him being on a steady rise, I think it's a good time to, to ride the ride. The, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Keep, I'm keeping the, the same. Tidal wave. There you go. All right, ride this hideaway, Zim. I like it. So you're gonna go. I was, with th- I was thinking of like roulette. You know, you 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 just keep it on. Let black. it ride. Yeah, you let know, it ride. Let it ride. Yeah. There you go. Let it ride. Keep put it all on black, Zim. I like it, especially against the Phillies tomorrow. You got to put it all on black. Uh, Vinny, what do you got for your for your uh, pick to click for the week? 
Uh, I hope I lose because all three of you picked people that would make fun social media moments. Uh, if Nick, if Vinny. Andrew Vaughn hits a home run. I told you guys last what? week we should all pick Andy. Andrew, Andrew, Andrews. Oh, maybe I will. Maybe I will. Um, but, you know, with Andrew Vaughn, Nick will be hilarious. I'm tweeting every Jake Berger home run this season, so that'll be funny for me. Uh, Joe, uh, ben Inten- or Zim with Ben Intendi, uh, I think his first home run in a White Sox uniform will be good Twitter content, so I'm looking forward to that, too, whenever it does come. He does. He hasn't hit his first home run yet, right? He's still waiting for that first home run. Not so. Yet. Um, I'm good. I'll, I'll make the third Andrew. We'll do the three Andrew trifecta here with Andrew Benintendi, Andrew Vaughn and Elvis Andrews. <laughs> Ooh, I like it, man. I like yeah, it. Let's go. Well, hopefully, hopefully, all, hopefully all four of these guys have a great week. I mean, I'm going to Elvis, Elvis. They need a guy like Elvis. If you're going to win a series against Look, uh, the Phillies, their pitching is not that great, honestly. And their bullpen is just maybe, maybe a little bit better than the White Sox. And that's not saying much because the Sox is 30th. So uh, that there's your there's your opportunity. Tampa, Tampa's got to get cold eventually, right? So why not? Why not when the Sox are in town? That's your strategy. God, they lost the game before coming to the White Sox, though, because they would have rolled through. The White Sox, three and if they were undefeated, oh, they would no have swept way. them and made some kind of crazy MLB nope. history or something. I, if if the if the White Sox had to play them and they were still undefeated, I truly believe the White Sox would pull it out of their butts and sweep them somehow. It'd be the most White Sox thing ever to play like super mediocre all season long and then take a three game sweep against an undefeated team. Like when the 1972 Dolphins uh, stepped it up and took down the Bears that were trying to, or I'm sorry, the 84 or 85 Dolphins. 85, yeah. 85 Dolphins uh, defended the 1972 legacy uh, and took down the Bears in that Monday night game. Sure. You know, not a lot of people remember the 06 Dolphins gave the Bears the first loss that season, too. Ah, yeah. Yeah. They they were like... Eight, they were like eight and zero or something, and they beat them. The Bears ended up losing one or two more games and route to the Super Bowl. But the Dolphins handed them their first, both on Monday night too, which is what wow. the night is. So yep. the Sox are so screwed now. The Dolphins have <laughs> they, a weird history of that. They they are certainly screwed, but we were not screwed. We were graced with the presence of Nick joining us on the show tonight. Nick, we appreciate you giving us so much of your time. And before you go, why don't you talk a little bit about your podcast, where people can find you on social media, and what you got going on. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so very much. This was an absolute blast. Hopefully we can do it again. And uh, the Sox in first place the next time we talk. Um, I've got my weekly White Sox podcast with my uh, very good friend, Pat Hester. Good guys talk back. We've been doing it. This is our fifth year we've been doing it. Uh, And then Lockdown Sox, daily podcast, Monday through Friday. Uh, Find the podcast absolutely everywhere. We've got a YouTube channel. And then I'm on Twitter at Nick underscore GGTB. Nick, Nick, can I ask you one question you, before you go on a personal level? Yeah. yeah. You say you've been doing this for five years, and the Sox have yeah. like progressively gotten worse yeah. over those five years. As, is it tough to keep going You know, each season? We're only on year three, and <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. You have to – I know this is weird or maybe even corny to say, but – you have to absolutely love it no matter what. And, and I, I mean, I'm like a fourth generation, you know, White Sox fan. I was born into it and it's all I know. I mean, I eat, sleep, drink, even in the off season. Um, I, and so 
it's therapeutic. I have found it to be therapeutic, like over the years of like, just at least get it out somewhere. Hopefully people are listening and it provides some entertainment or help to them. But Good Guys Talk Back was born uh, in the winter meetings of 2018 during the whole Manny Machado, Bryce Harper situation. So that podcast and kind of my, you know, early stages of podcasting was just born in absolute, you know, anger and uh you know it was uh so that's kind of how it started and it's kind of ridden the roller coaster it's been quite a roller coaster but we appreciate all the daily content man and you're one of the best follows on twitter make sure you give nick a follow check out all his all his platforms locked on socks good guys talk back and uh nick we just look forward to having you on again later in the season hopefully with some better results on the field but nonetheless when I'm at a game, we'll have to make sure we, we meet up for a, for a beer or a hot Absolutely. dog or something. Yeah. yeah, they've got some great food options this year. Yeah, I'm just a few blocks away. I'm, I'm there probably more than I should be. But, uh, yeah, hopefully we're, we're talking when uh, there's some better things going on for a White Sox. Thank you guys so much. This was an absolute blast. Can't thank you enough, man. Absolutely. Have a great night. And, as always, go White Sox. Go Sox. All right, Nick. Take it easy, man. Thank you. Take care, guys. Take care. Great guest and Nick. And if you guys haven't followed him, make sure you give him a follow. Of course, you can follow him on all his platforms. Uh, Just you can follow him at Nick underscore GGTB. And then I'll put it up on the screen one more time. You can check him out in his podcast at Good Guys TV and at Lockdown Socks on Twitter and anywhere you find podcasts. Can't thank Nick enough for giving us so much time tonight. Vinny, seriously, one of the best co- follows on Sox Twitter. Oh yeah, there's no doubt. I literally, I, I'm not. I I don't say that about any guest we have on. Who like who do I have in the same vein as Nick Morowski in terms of my favorite follows? I really enjoy Beef Loaf because he kind of brings like he kind of brings like a unique taste to White Sox content, like with the hot tubs and the 108ing and all that stuff, like with My Sox Summer and Jerizy E, like the one the tournament. Um, but I, I really, I can't think of anybody I hold to the same pedestal of my own personal entertainment. And I'm not trying to sound creepy or anything like that. I don't want Nick to get a restraining order on me. I'm not going to follow him. But you should. If, if he was, at, <laughs> if I see him at the game, I would love, oh, it would make me feel so good to buy Nick Murawski a beer. It would be like buying like Justin Bieber or like a big celebrity a beer. I'm not even kidding. Like, I don't know. I'm just a huge fan. His tweets, it, it's a unique way of fanning. And the Lockdown Network is awesome. The, the Lockdown Devils guy is a writer for pucks and pitchforks at fan sided. So I've learned about their network a little bit too through that. And, you know, he has media credentials, the lockdown devils guy. He's at every devils game. And I don't know. I, I just am a big fan of the whole thing. So, you know, thanks to Nick for coming on. He's, he's a, and he's really good at what he does too. He presents like the way he talks about the socks with such like grace. And uh, I'm getting into a Nick Morosky love fest here, but. Sorry, really Nick, good we stuff. love you, buddy. Appreciate appreciate all the time from you. But we've gotten to the point where we can talk about some interesting hot takes or 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 questions in our in our segment that we like to call the guaranteed take. So I got two of them for today, gents, and there's one of them that I thought of during the show that I added that I 
Wow, I got music playing somehow on my phone. Where is that coming from? Do you guys hear that? Kinda. I think I heard it like through your headphone. Yeah, it's somehow I think my iTunes is playing when I close my headphones. So keep stalling for one second while I figure out where this is coming from. Joe, if you don't figure it out soon, I'm just going to start talking nicely about Nick Murawski again. I got it. <laughs> I think I got it. You guys can still hear me, right? There you go. All right. I think I had my Spotify yeah, still open. <laughs> Somehow I just got it playing music. I don't even know what it was playing. It sounded like <laughs> sounded like Owl City or something. I don't know. But nonetheless, um, sorry, this is the one that I thought of during the show for our guaranteed take. We've seen Bryce Harper. I can't say the second time I butchered his name. Bryce Harper <laughs> for the Phillies. Uh, rumored this week that he's going to start taking reps at first base, learning how to play first base, you know, in an effort to not injure himself in the outfield and make him more of an everyday player. Should Eloy do the same thing for the White Sox? No. He does not have the hamstrings for it. Like, it, it, like <laughs> literally, that is it. How many hamstrings injuries? hamstring injuries has this guy had since joining the team because i know it's been off the top of my head at least three um in addition to oblique in addition to pectorals in addition to this that and the other thing like and and what are you going to do the first time he gets a foul pop-up that goes over by the tarp because he's not uh nearly as athletic as anthony rizzo he's not going to go climb on the wall and catch it <laughs> no, I'm totally against the idea. I, I think that for some guys, that's a great, a great idea. You know, Jake Berger, um, Albert Pujols is a, is a classic example of a guy transitioning from the outfield to first base, probably the most successful one in history. Um, and then like you've mentioned just now with Bryce Harper, for some guys, it makes sense for guys who are already kind of injury prone and not just like fluky injuries. I don't think it's a good spot, especially when it's leg injuries because of the amount of flexibility, like physical flexibility needed to play the position. You aligned, Vin? Yeah, I, I completely agree with Zim because and he brought up Albert Pujols, Miguel Cabrera, another really good one, third base to first base over the years. Just the reason, the reason he... Um, moved over is moving over to first Bryce Harper is because he probably could play the outfield, but like why risk it? You know, he's so athletic though, that he can move over to um, a different position, but Eloy's just not the reason he's not playing outfield. Isn't because, you know, he's trying to come back from an early injury. He's trying to, you know, not get injured at all. Bryce Harper, he's right. so athletic and he's, He's been known to be super duper crazy athlete. That's not Eloy. Eloy hits baseballs to Pluto and so does Harper. But like we know Harper's good at defense. We we know Eloy stinks at defense. So why would we try to teach him a new position now just to get him on the field at some point? Like Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets aren't even good enough for that. So, you know, I hopefully like they, no. they have a better chance to no. get better. But that's where I'm at on you it. Know. Harper also played catcher before coming to the bigs. You know, he was drafted as a catcher. So we know he's got freaky athletic ability just from being able to go from sitting behind the plate to playing center field in the professional game. Like that's, that's wild to think about. Um, and the other thing to think about, you know, 
Eloy's playing DH and still getting hurt. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> this is true. It's not a good sign. Eloy almost sign. feels to me, Eli Eloy almost feels to me like like trade bait at this point in his career. You know, get offloading to somebody who sees the potential and wants to develop him because he's part of this group of White Sox players that's like, oh my God, they've got so much potential. And it's like, but when is it going to pay off? You know, Eloy yeah. had a great rookie year and, and ever since then has been kind of, eh. you know, I mean, and I hate to say it, but Robert's except in the, the same boat. Except for um, when he came back from injury last year, he was unbelievable. He was. But he was injured for how much of the year before doing that? He only played like 60 games last year. No, I think it was 80, but still, he played half a season. You know, yeah. but Moncada, Robert, Jimenez, uh, I mean, Vaughn, I still think, has a year or two before he reaches that point. Um, Colas is still a rookie, so we can't count him yet. But so far, you kind of wonder, considering he was sold as this like phenom and he's kind of an above average right field rookie. Um, hey, we'll see what he does the rest of the year. I'm not going to be too ju- too quick to judge Colas, but uh, we'll see what happens there. But I, I love the takes there, guys. And I got one more for this guaranteed take, and then we'll wrap things up on the show. But, you know, I'm just curious because this has been something that's been toying with my brain. You know, if the Sox are sellers at the deadline, should they move Tim Anderson and, and, and make, you know, make a move to Montgomery? At short, Vinny Parisi. Um, I would move pretty much anyone. Montgomery's injured too, so I'm wondering if he's just got the White Sox curse. But <laughs> like, I, I I would have everyone on the table, including Dylan Cease. Like, if you're gonna re like the rebuild has already failed in my mind. It just has. Uh, I I'm really sorry to say, and I I would have never said that even t- two weeks ago. I, I I have changed my opinion over the last 14 days. And that's what I was telling Nick Murawski. Like, I, I can't live and die with every loss. I'll watch every game. I got to write about it for Southside Showdown. I got to do put on your socks. I got to do this show. I have every reason to watch, but I'm not going to go to bed pouting if they lose like I would have if, let's say, the Devils did this season. If they lost at any point this year, I was pissed because they were a really good team. And it's kind of the opposite for the White Sox right now. So, yeah, I, I would move anyone, Tim Anderson included. Um, the reason the rebuild failed is because the guys who are supposed to be outstanding are outstanding, but they're often hurt, and that stunt, stunted a lot of their growth. Um, Robert or Jimenez haven't been the same, other than a couple stretches here and there since the end of the 2020 season, or I guess at the beginning of 2021 before they got hurt really good. But I don't know. I just I don't um, I don't see it with this group. So if they're bad, like really bad, like fourth or third, third in the AL Central is going to be bad because the Tigers and Royals are even worse. But um, I just I I would move anyone. Uh, The only people I might not touch are Colson Montgomery, Noah Schultz. Um, you know, some of their other top prospects, even Colas, you may be probably not going to get enough for him worth moving because of what he can develop into. Uh, if you're going to try and keep winning, then I wouldn't trade anyone. But like, if you are in the same, like to me, watching Jimenez go to another team, stay healthy and hit 40 bombs would be one of the most painful things I think I could watch. 
But at the same time, yeah. anything to make the White Sox better will be, you know, fun because I, I can really go back to being a prospect guy again. It wouldn't bother me one bit to watch the White Sox rebuild again. I'll just watch minor league baseball all summer. I did. I've done it how many times in my life? So, hey, Vin, you know, whatever. The MLB TV doing. package. MLB TV package yep. includes AAA this year. So I've been watching a couple of those games too. Nice. Hell yeah. I, the Charlotte, I might actually turn that on. Yeah. The What's Charlotte that? Knights have their new jerseys too. The yeah, new, they're the Charlotte colors where all the teams have matching jerseys now. Uh, North Carolina, the Carolina Panthers. Um, the Hurricanes haven't caught on yet, but most of the teams around that area, well, the Hurricanes are in Raleigh though. The Charlotte area teams all have that color, and man, they're cool. So I'll watch minor league baseball again. Man, how clean would the would the Hurricanes jerseys look if they were in those colors, though? I know. I mean, black I and red for the Hurricanes. Who? That's not. I'm getting totally detracted, but like, you're right though. No, you're and right, they play in the same division as the Devils, who are black and red. We need a blue and yeah, a blue and white team in the Metropolitan Division. I agree. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe it'll happen. That'd be cool. We should, no. we should start petitioning right now. All right. I they like just the won their playoff but... game, though. They're not going to change mid-playoffs. They like the vibes right now. That's that's yeah, very no. true. <laughs> I wonder what that's like, winning a playoff game. I feel like Detroit Lions fans over here, guys. Like, It's been rough. You know, and they're obviously not Someday. afraid to – they're obviously not afraid to trade players to get to where they want to be and – you know, maybe it is working out for them. So maybe the Sox should do the same thing so that they get we're, out of this purgatory that we seem to be stuck in. You're talking about the Lions? The no, Lions? no, the White Sox. Oh. The White Sox. We haven't had a playoff win and we feel like Lions fans. I was just saying, like, we're like we're like all the orphans and Annie's singing the sun will come out tomorrow, but it's never yeah. tomorrow. It never comes. I'm going to throw a future on the Lions to win the North. Like, that's my – I honestly think that's possible. Yeah. I like the that. Division sucks, so you might as well. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole conversation for a whole nother time. You could probably catch uh, Dan and Aldo is. talking about that tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. They got a fun show. Make sure you tune in for that. But uh, we had a hell of a show tonight. We, of course, we got to thank our guest, Nick Morowski, for sticking around with us and talking White Sox baseball all night long. Gentlemen, we've reached the point of the show where we're going to dive into our shout-outs, and Zim will – We'll let you go first. I know you have a big week coming up, man. Tell us about that. We're very yeah. excited for you. First off, how was your bachelor out. party? You have to throw that in. Oh, it was awesome. But first off, shout out to you guys and our audience for bearing with me through this. I have slept like crap all weekend long. Um, so I'm sure that I'm kind of rambling and not making sense at certain points. Um, so thank you to everybody for bearing with us. Uh, Nick was an awesome guest, so I'm sure he held it together just fine uh when i got incoherent <laughs> honestly i had a blast with nick big shout out to him i would love to have him on again sometime uh in the near or distant future honestly um it seems like he bleeds this just like the three of us do so he's not going anywhere anytime soon um as far as the oh, no. bachelor party goes you know we had a great time we went up to a buddy's cabin about uh two hours outside the city just pitch black after after it got dark out it felt like nothing existed outside of that little cabin that we were in and we just had a blast so you know big shout out to the to the four guys who went up there with me and made it a memorable night and weekend um and you know they all are playing their own parts in the wedding uh which is super super uh great of them um 
the guys I went up with are my best man, one of my groomsmen, our officiant, and our DJ. So uh, everybody has nice. their role. And, you know, that's all out of the goodness of their hearts and everything. So big shout out to those guys, as well as to, you know, my family, um, my partner's family, and everybody who has helped us through all of this to get to this point. I will not be on the show next week. So as I mentioned last week, Joe, I really trust you to bring in a solid guest to hold over the tide while I'm gone. Um, we'll see what I we hope. can do. <laughs> I hope to be back the following week, but uh, we will see. We will see. I'm not going to make any promises or commitments uh, that far in advance right now. At this point, um, my calendar ends uh, on the last day of my honeymoon, and I really have no plans beyond that at this point. Where are you going? uh, We're just headed up to Steamboat Springs. Um, It is another mountain town here in Colorado. Um, Lots of natural hot springs, lots of beautiful scenic places to visit. Um, has the small town vibes, but at the same time is also a ski resort town and a summer Mm. destination for a lot of hiking and biking trails as well. So I know we're kind of going during mud season, but I think it'll still be a really, really good time. There's all kinds of stuff to do up there. So we're, I think I speak for both Vinny and myself. We're super happy for you, man. Really excited for you. And hopefully you have just an awesome weekend. I wish I could have been there. Just didn't work out, but next time I see you for sure, we'll, we'll celebrate. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, of course, the invitation would have been extended to you both if I thought that you could have come. But as soon as Joe said no, Vinny, you by de facto uh, (laughs) didn't want you to be alone and just awkward around my whole family. (laughs) Hello, the Zimmerman family. My name is Vinny Parisi. So happy to see all of you. (laughs) <laughs> hold up real quick hold up real quick everybody i got a film put on your socks the white socks are god damn it go 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 i, mean, I would zim, get in the frame get in the frame zim i've recorded um, that no. thing in some weird ass places so i might do tomorrow's on the toilet <laughs> I, I know that you guys are not there for lack of love so uh you will be there in spirit and i know that much yeah, man, we're wishing the best for you, man. It's going to be a fun weekend for you, so good luck there. And uh, Vinny, I can let you go next with your shout-out. Absolutely. Um, my girlfriend, Katie, of course, is always my number one shout-out. Wouldn't be doing any of this without her. Um, shout-out to Joey Parisi. The Boston Bruins took a one nothing series lead over the Florida Panthers, so I know he's at home um, super pumped about it. My mom, my dad, uh, fucking Foster watches every show I do now. So absolutely fucking foster. I know I'm not allowed to swear on this show, but I just did um, because of, because of foster. Um, And then a shout out to him, man. I hope you have a great time this weekend. I wish you and your family, nothing but love and happiness. And that's going to be really, really fun. So good for you, man. I'm super stoked and I can't wait to hear all about it. When you get back, I mentioned to you many times that you're one of my favorite people. So I can't wait to hear about it. And man, that's going to be fun. We'll hold the fourth down for you as well as we possibly can when you're gone. It's going to be tough, but we'll, we'll, we'll manage. Yeah, man, we'll get by. Well, I, I, I leaned on Vinny last minute today for what well, I'll, I'll start my shout out without shout out Vinny. He, he helped secure us a guest for today's show. And, and I have an idea for, for next future. week. By the way, we'll see. All right, that's all right. Well, I, I appreciate it, man. Shout out to you, Vinny, for, for helping me out in that respect, and all the put on your sock stuff as always. And of course, I'm going to shout out Mr. Zim, for the upcoming wedding, and his lovely wife and his kids, and just all the above. 
just awesome time for you, man. Just so happy for you. So congratulations there. Um, of course, I'm going to shout out my beautiful wife, Catherine, our daughter, Audrey, who is like the cutest thing in the world. She's just moving and grooving. Last week, she was really close to walking. This week, she's doing like 15 steps at a time. And then she just kind of like gets on her hands and knees and starts crawling. But she's so close for me to have to chase her everywhere she goes. She's adorable. Uh, it's the most fun thing in the world. And I can't wait to watch her grow up even more. <laughs> uh, of course, I shout out my great Dane Maverick. He's a nuthead and he loves it. Uh, there, are, So my house has a bunch of wild turkeys that come around multiple times a day in the backfield. And every time they come out, you'd think that he's just going absolutely nuts. Like he did a line of crack or a line of cocaine. And this dog just goes up to the window and every once in a while, I'll let him go out there and he just runs around the fence and just kind of barks at him. But it's the funniest thing in the world. So shout out to Maverick. And of course, like I said, my beautiful wife is always, uh, I love you all very much. That's, that's funny, Joe. We also ran into some wild turkeys this weekend, but uh, we didn't go outside. So <laughs> I, they, they don't come inside my fence cause I don't have an air. So they're on the outside, but there's a boatload of them, man. There's like one big, one, one of the big boys. He's like a big Turkey you know, the big gobblers freaking massive. And then there's all these small, like, like the women Turkey that are just all in front of them. And there's just one big stud. He's like strutting his stuff. It's, it's really hilarious. Did you know turkeys can fly and land in trees? I didn't know that until recently. I did. My sister witnessed it firsthand, and that's how I learned, and she was terrified. So, Yeah, I saw it during a snowstorm. There was a big snowstorm in the area, not recently, but uh, a couple of three, four months ago, and this big turkey flew, two of them flew into a tree. One of them landed on a branch, and the other one landed on a branch, and then one of the branches cracked, and the turkey fell to the ground, and then he just ran off like he was embarrassed. Um, so yeah, they're, they're not very smart creatures. <laughs> yeah, they're laying eggs behind my house too, so I'm sure that's going to be interesting. Very nice. But sounds uh, like a delicious breakfast. Yeah, man, I have some turkey sausage tomorrow morning. <laughs> no, um, but but no, shout out to my family. Love you guys, and you guys for doing the show with me every week. And of course, Aldo Gandia, the man with the plan, the barkeeper, the guy that lets us do this every single week. And everyone in the chat room. So Foster, my dad, our buddy Travis was here. PZ is always at every show. Love you guys. Uh, Steve, some guy, Steven Z, I never heard of him in the chat room. Oh, wait, never mind. That's Zim. Um, but I can't ever talk, call you Steven again. I have to call you Zim all the time. So, but nonetheless, uh, it's been a heck of a show, guys. Can't thank you enough for hanging out with us all night. Huge thanks again to our guest, Nick Morowski. Check him out and Locked on Socks and Good Guys Talk Back. And that's all I got, guys. We, these White Sox, they got to do something for us. Um, it's getting really hard to, to keep it together watching them. Something's got to give. Perhaps it'll be this week, guys. I don't know. What do you think? I hope so. I'm trying to stall until I find the credits because I can't find them because they don't look like they're here. So that's interesting. I didn't delete them, so that's a problem. But here they are. I found them. I just can't read. But anyway, guys, thanks for hanging out with us. For the South Burbs Hitman, I'm Joe Mandel. In the top right corner is Vinny Parise. And in the top left is the soon-to-be married man. That's Steven Zim Zimmerman. I call him by his full name. He can't do anything about it. He's getting married. He's going to hear it a lot this week. But go White Sox. We'll see you guys next week. It's time to win some games. Let's get out of here. <laughs>